Hey guys, welcome to Let Me Talk Podcast, Season 2, Episode 51. On today's episode, I have a returning guest, Lanika Den, and also Australian actor and writer, Parker Craig. In Lanika's episode, we briefly touched on the initiative that she created, the Monologue Collective, but we're here today to expand on that and learn more about its purpose and what the initiative is doing now to help teenagers in the industry. Without giving anything else away, let's get into this episode. Hey guys, thank you so much for coming on Let Me Talk podcast today. How's everyone doing on this beautiful day? Is it beautiful in Sydney or is it not great? It's a bit overcast, but I'm feeling wonderful. Great, <laughs> love that. What about you? you? No, it's a good day, it's a good day. I've done a lot this morning so and I've been out and about, so I'm happy to be home settled for like two hours and then I'll be out back on the road again so happy for now love that love that well we start with a rapid fire um so you guys keen to play I know Lanique has played this before but you know we could come up with some new answers new year new answers (laughs) so the first question is who who's your favorite like entertainer of all time I feel like we'll expand it entertainer that's so difficult that's Give me like so if you have like two difficult. or three, that's totally fine. Give me like top oh god, three. entertainer as in people that make anything. Yeah, wow, dancing, singing, whichever, really creator. Jeez, uh, Miranda, July. Miranda July, always creator, performance artist, filmmaker. She's incredible. She's the weirdest. Can you person. not steal my answer? <laughs> you can say Miranda <laughs> July too. <laughs> Okay, well, I'm going to say Miranda July as well. Yes. Like, I'm, just, I'm in love with her. I think she's such a genius. Yes, beautiful. We love Miranda July here. Mm-hmm. Um, everything, like, there's, there's just everything she makes is perfect. Yeah, I can't yeah. fault it. And just right. anxiety. Anxiety and fantasy in a moment. That's all she creates. It's amazing. That's Absolutely. Awesome. Well, seeing as we're talking about monologues and things like that, I'm going to change some of the questions up. Um, so what do you prefer to watch, film, TV, or theater? Theater, I think. Yeah. Theater when it's good. Yeah. <laughs> theater when it's fun, when it's stuff like Seven Methods of Killing Kylie Jenner. That was an amazing show that was mm-hmm. half internet, half theater. Stuff that's new, edgy, and like expresses the current world we're living in. I'd say that's when theater's the best. Yeah. Absolutely. Awesome. And when are you most inspired? I love a good shower thing. I'm really, I like when I get really stuck on ideas, I'm just like, okay, bath time. And I, I go in the zone, really. Yeah, that's like mine do. Shower is yeah. just like where it's at. Like that's just where the inspiration is at. And like, I think swimming in general, I get really inspired at like lakes and rivers and beaches. Just water has some power over me, I think. Yeah, I love that. What about you, Lanika? Oh, I'm not interesting. It's just, it's, <laughs> oh, oh I've got to do something today. It'll be done. Oh, I'll come up with something. We'll see. Just shit hits, shit hits the ceiling, see what sticks, honestly. Yeah. <laughs> That's me. I'm much more practical. I'm not very inspirational ever. <laughs> Well, let's get started. So this episode's pretty much like about the Monologue Collective. For anyone that doesn't know, what is it? 
why was it created and like what's its purpose yeah great um so the monologue collective started out as something that i just came up with on canva diy in the middle of um the last covid lockdown we had in sydney like a year ago and it was something that i'd been passionate about for a while because i wrote my first play when i was in the middle of my own hsc And I wrote that play out of outrage that there wasn't anything good that was for teenagers and there wasn't anything that was well-written that I think really encapsulated that experience. Then I was like, well, I'll just write my own stuff. Um, And I think that has sort of always irked me about um, monologues that are written for teenagers. None of them ever really feel like they are written by a teenager. So I just had this brilliant idea where I was like, why don't we just solve the problem and get teenagers in, get main stage theatre practitioners that like work at Sydney Theatre Company, Belvoir, that sort of thing to mentor them, get it into a place where it's structurally the same as main stage theatre, but has all of the authenticity and um, experiences that teenagers are going through right now in this current climate within it. So I sort of just came up with the program from there. I had such a outpour of applications that I saw that this needed to be an actual program where teenagers were taught and mentored and not just like finished monologues to archive somewhere. It needed to be a program where teenagers could learn from it, could develop their skills. And then now they're having a final showing where it's 10 monologues that are all written by these teenagers and they're all about six to eight minutes long. So they're perfect for HSC drama teenagers and students, but they're also just perfect for anyone who wants to play a young person that is an authentic experience to see on stage. So, yeah. Yeah. And like, how did you kind of get the, like, do you have funding for it? Like, how did you get the funding for it? Like, what was your approach with kind of just approaching people to fund it, you know, like investors to come on board? Yeah, um, it started out as something that I thought I was just doing out of uh, a passion project and then I realised that I needed to fund it if I was going to do this properly and if I was going to have a performance at the end of the year and that sort of thing. We just realised that we needed money to make this what it needed to be for the riders that were involved to get the most out of it. So I ended up applying to Create New South Wales um, small to medium projects grants and I was I was lucky enough to get one of them. I applied to Rodney Seaborn Foundation. Um, they do a community grant every year for like a community playwriting development program if someone has one and no one ever does and I did for some reason (laughs) so there was a few where the grants just sort of really made sense the project aligns with a lot of what people want I just always find it funny how many people say like especially with venues and that sort of thing so many people say well we want more projects where young people are at the head of them and then they get handed them on a plate and they either are like oh no this is too much and I'm overwhelmed and they don't do the thing they've always said that they've wanted to do they don't give you the money or they go yes here's all of my money so weird to see like the half response of yeah youth everything about youth and people are either fully on board or then they're like oh no I don't actually want to change the world I don't actually want to have better representation so it's been a really interesting um experience going through funding with this yeah for sure and for like was there a specific project that you watched maybe that you were like that sparked the initiative for to to create this like your intuition when you watched it was it like I need to do something because this is just not like 
people that are writing for teenagers are like 30 plus year olds that have no idea what they're doing in terms of like when you're 30 you're so far away from being a teenager that things just change was there any specific thing that you watched that was like okay I've got to make some change um I think it was more of an internal like there's always terrible representation the kissing booth anything I don't know just terrible representation (laughs) but you know go off go off to that Joey girl she's amazing um uh, but I think for me it was more of internal reflection after someone finally gave me a chance with my play that I wrote as a teenager Mm. and the amount of um experience and the way that that propelled my career with what people have done with that play made me just go, well, why aren't there more opportunities for youth to get out there and speak about things? I find it funny that even not just art organisations, but a lot of the time the government and stuff always says that they want to champion like the next generation of Australia, but they like put them on like some youth committee and they say nothing and they don't get anything changed. Yeah. At least with this, in whatever way this is, regardless of art, this is a chance for like 10 young people to say exactly what's on their mind at the moment. Mm. And I find that sort of exciting about it, that it's like it's not just theatre and art and that's amazing because it is and it's very well structured and amazing, but it's that these young people just get to speak because that's really what everyone's saying that they should be doing. So here's a platform to do it rather than just talking about why young people should be speaking about things. Yeah, and I think also um, if I could just like speak to that question, I think the, the one of the things I really watched that had a monumental impact on me and made me think I could really do this hmm. was actually your play, Lenika, Dead Skin. Oh, I it was crazy because I we like we had come from an ATYP like development and you were acting in it and then we walked past King's Cross Theatre and you were like, oh, my play is here tonight. Do you want to come? And I was like, I will actually do that. I will actually, <laughs> I, I, I give you my word, I will be at this. And then I went and I was like, holy shit, we can do this. This is like, theatre is so possible and plausible and like young people actually making things and creating beautiful little worlds on stages and they are actually doing it and, it, and it's incredible and it's amazing. Yeah. And so that is what like, I really was so inspired and I was just sitting in the front row with this little wide-eyed kid just being like oh this is so cool yeah because it fully is that tangible like that's you now with your monologue in this show it is that tangible to be on a stage in Sydney that's a great stage that people come and see like it's just sad that people try and a lot of older people because they've had to work hard and go to NIDA and do things try and put younger voices down and emerging artists down but it's like it's so tangible when those people get out of the way for young people to have these experiences like we can all write everyone can write so just tell your story and tell the real story not some crappy version of it so yes park up yeah exactly don't like filter what you want to write to like to diminish it or even to like save someone's feelings or like yeah. or write the prop, about yeah the proper version of it what you think sounds um correct within literature or film like what how would the fancy person write this it's like i don't care if your character swears make them swear if your character sits down the entire time and does nothing make them do that like don't write 
Um, there's no right or wrong. And probably the thing that you feel is wrong is usually the most truthful. So it's like, right, the truthfulness. Yeah. Exactly. And for both of you, why is it like important for actors to have monologues they can perform and train with? And like, why is it important for teenagers to be writing monologues for teenagers as well? I'll let Park go. Oh, thank you. Well, I, um, I've sort of already told this story, but basically when I, when it came time to do my drama major work, I, even though I'm a filmmaker as well as a theatre maker, I, I kind of knew I wanted to do a film for the major work, but there was a part of me that is also like, I know I'm an actor, I'm a writer, I want to make a monologue. And every time I went to search things up online or I went to teachers, I found literally nothing. And I didn't like any of it. And all of it was so outdated. Like the most recent monologue you can find was from 1995 and I was so <laughs> tired of it. That's and so true. It's, it's, it's so, the tropes are so overdone. It's always like bored housewife. There's always, it's so frustrating not being able to actually speak words that mean something to me. Yeah. And even though there's all these universal themes, it's like, yeah, but this character's 52. I am not 52. <laughs> yeah i am yeah. like i am a, like i am an 18 year old girl i am emotional <laughs> and i'm crazy so i wrote a monologue about and like being an emotional teenager because mm. there's nothing wrong with that yeah. and like we should totally be allowed to express all of that crazy teen girl energy yeah and, and that's really fine there's a big difference like when you've read the like adult the because i mean most of the things on the internet the monologues are written by adults do you find a big difference to what you're writing compared to what you you saw on the internet? Yeah, the monologues on the internet are like they're usually very American. They're very they're about sophomores going down to the creek and like smoking cigarettes yeah. for the first time. <laughs> and I'm like, every teenager <laughs> smokes in everything and has no job. I don't understand. <laughs> and then falling in love with like the football captain. Yeah. Like, in what world is that happening in Sydney, Australia? No, that is has never happened to me. I have not fallen in love with the football captain that smoke a cigarette down at the creek. Yeah. <laughs> and the, like the Australian, like Australia is always like underrepresented in the like entertainment industry, which at some in some degree it is our industry's fault and the people that are running our industry and are in charge of like what content they're putting up in any form so like of course people have to come out and tell these stories whether you're on the big screen or you're not do you know what I mean like you Mm. as soon as more of it comes out that's when people are going to be able to find out Australian stories teenage stories and that are universal as well and can be relatable to any other country in the world. Yeah. Absolutely. So what is your, like, process with the monologue that you wrote? Like, how do you how do you start writing a monologue? If someone doesn't know where to begin, how would you – what tips can you give or what do you do in order to start the process of writing a monologue? Oh, man. I – for me, this is very a very personal process. I really like to work from a character. So for me, I'm, I'm also an actor, so I usually, the things that I write usually come from characters I invent or, and stories people tell me or things I've lived through. Mm-hmm. And especially the monologue I wrote for this, I started writing it 
just I was writing out a story that happened to me and then it evolved and evolved and it very specifically was born from the characters within it Rosie the 18 year old girl and her mother Maggie mm-hmm. and I was so I, I was more or less just creating their world and mm-hmm. from the backstory I was giving them the monologue was birthed from that and I, I think if you're gonna start all you need is like your opening line and then you go for it yeah. And for me, especially, I love to, like, I mentioned being inspired in the shower. I usually, like, just monologue in the shower. I just write in the shower. I do stand-up. I do, I do my greatest <laughs> stand-up comedy sets in the shower, you know. Yes. like. And it's just about speaking it to yourself. And usually when I write, I talk to myself. I say it out loud. And it's just about finding that really small spark. And especially this monologue came from the Britney Spears song, maybe one more time so <laughs> parts like parts of the monologue are just lift lyrics in the song because yeah. I felt Britney Spears just encompassed all this nice energy that I wanted to capture as well yeah definitely yeah. so it's kind of like a um more of a like natural and organic kind of process than like planning it out to the T of how you're going to write it yeah I don't like planning yeah. <laughs> I in general, you would you say that monologues have a structure that you should follow or that people follow or not really? Not like a screenplay oh. or something like that? I think it's so up to you. Mm. I really, I'm so against structure. Sometimes I think it's very valuable. You mm. can use it loosely, but I really do think like we're at a point where do we need it anymore? No, we've seen it. Yeah. We've seen the hero's journey. And we have to get to a point where you just got to go, fuck it. No. And if that's what you want to write, and if you want to write without a structure, go for it. That's what all the French New Wave kids did. And now they're lauded as these heroes. Like Jean-Luc Godard was doing crazy whack shit with structure. And at the time, everybody was like, that's ugly. That doesn't make sense. But now we're like, no, he's a cultural icon. These are treasures and gifts of the world. So it pays off to break structure. Exactly. I agree. I think it's like, I don't know, to me, well, a monologue has to be its own story. A monologue can't be, can't be like you can't pass off as, oh, this monologue's just part of a play. And I think a lot of the time when people analyse it in drama school and stuff, it's, oh, it's part of a bigger picture. It's like, no, if it's a well-written monologue, that world for that one minute, that six to eight minutes, whatever it is, should be an entire world that to some extent has a beginning, middle, end that might not be in that order, that might not be as obvious, but it always sort of does. It's like if you tell a story to your friend about something that's happened, there's going to be a beginning, middle, end regardless, but it's going to be in whatever order, whatever structure you want to do, and you don't really have to think about it. Yeah. I agree with Parker in that people need to chill on structure. Like it'll all work out. It's not the most important part. But I also like to, I'd also like to add that we use structure every day within the way we speak. Like we tell stories every day to each other. So it's like, I used to get really overwhelmed at the idea of structure and that it was this big, crazy thing that like, um, I just didn't understand yet. And it's like, no, it's a very Eurocentric word. It's just stupid because we literally use structure every day, but it's just this word that white old men use to try and make you feel too scared to write a screenplay. So it's like, write the screenplay. You already have structure in your body. Just write it how you would, if you're telling a story, write a monologue. If you're going to tell a story as a character, just pretend to be the character and write it. Like, chill absolutely like story beats 
are so innate in us. Yeah. Yes. And like like Monika, absolutely what you said, it is just conversation. And the way that um, we write is just very much conversation. And I know that like when I sat down to write my monologue, I said, well, I just want this to be her tangent. This is just yeah. her speaking. And naturally there is a beginning, middle end and a climax in your piece, but not because you sat down and really thought about it. <laughs> just yeah. because that's life. That's what happens. Things happen. Absolutely. Conflict is created. Stuff happens. Exactly. And throughout our lives, there's, there's a moment, there's mo multiple moments where you have like a climax and like if you use the story throughout your life there's always a beginning middle and you know eventually and an end as well so I just think yeah I, I agree I think there's a lot of pressure that's put on structure and I think a lot of it is to do with like even when you start school especially in high school you you write with the structure you write you write an essay with a strict structure and if you go if you go against that you know you're you're not going to get the marks that you want do you know what I mean so you learn from school that it's strict and that's how it's supposed to go so your brain is kind of wired like that and then when you get into things like acting or filmmaking or you know anything that's in the entertainment industry you kind of have to unlearn that so then you're not as like restrictive to what you're writing and it doesn't stop you from being able to write in the way that you want to write absolutely and it's like everything that high school writing has taught you remember like 20 percent of it and chuck 80 percent of it in the bin yeah. And like, like I remember, um, there's this amazing book called Blood and Guts in High School, written by Kathy Acker, who is just—it's this incredible, credible writer. And I first started reading it when I was like 14, and it blew my mind because it is a book, but all of the dialogue is structured the same way in a screenplay. But like, then halfway through, the structure completely changes, and then different lines of poetry will cut into other lines, and it's 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 mad. There are drawings all over the place that don't make any sense, and it's just it's a good fun time that yeah. fucks with your head. And I think that's so valuable and fantastic. Yeah, exactly. And why, like, why is it important for like young people to speak them for themselves in art? Like, what's the big thing that you know, is important about it for young people to come out and say their stories? Is it more for you, like when you're writing your monologue, is it, do you want to like evoke an emotion from someone and get someone to maybe, you know, if they haven't worked on something in themselves to work on it? Is that your purpose when you write things to kind of get something out there and raise awareness to something specifically? I feel like often... I'm just raising awareness to alternative points of view in a way. I think I'm more or less just writing from this perspective of like, this is something else. This is someone else. And this is a voice that I don't think is heard. So I'd like you to hear it. And you can think whatever you want. As long as I put it out into the world, as soon as it's out there, it's not mine anymore. And I just really want to invite audiences to think whatever they want of the work really because mine has a like I specifically wrote mine with an open-ended ambiguous ending because uh so the main character Rosie she um she sees her mother at the party who she hasn't seen in a year and they have this really abrupt ending where she says I actually don't want to see you and it's totally up to the audience to think whether they rekindle and whether they go back to each other and 
the monologue itself came from this place of I love my mum and um, I love my grandma, but my mum and my grandma had these sort of earlier um, struggles in their relationship with each other, but they rekindled and it took time and it took maturity, but they came back to one another and they love each other so much now. But, you know, when my mum was a lot younger, that wasn't always there. And so in my mind, my monologue does have that happy ending. Yeah. But I really just wanted to write it. I wanted to write it for myself to like process what I'd been through to for the other people that had been through what I had been through and yeah. to, for my mom. <laughs> yeah. I to add on that, I also just think that um uh I think there's like a lot of the, and I've been using it like so so much lately of like oh it's for authenticity young people writing is for authenticity but I think what that actually means um because auth- authenticity is just a word that's thrown around all the time is um young people will continue to generate and they are the thing that is new and they are the thing that finds new things like every time another generation of young people is born and is starting to create it's all new stuff that's relevant to now in our current context Mm -hmm. so I think the reason why I think young people is so important um young people speaking and having their voice heard is so important is because whoever that young person is at whatever time this is being said they're giving an entirely new perspective we've never heard because they are young they are young for that period of time. And then another person will come and give an entirely new perspective. So I think that's the thing that I really care about young people speaking for is that we're getting new perspectives. And that's the entire point of art. The entire point of art is to continue to like change the way we think and that sort of thing. And youth are key to that. Yeah, exactly. And it's. Yeah. And I, and I, it's just. Sorry, you go. <laughs> you go. It's just like this feeling of, it's like, I want people to feel heard. Because I didn't feel hurt. So I'm like, ah, please allow me to make you feel hurt. Yeah. And it's actually with young people like speaking and through them for themselves through art, it's, it's then getting other people that are older, that are adults and like, you know, I'm like older as if like, you know, from like 50 years onwards to really kind of open their eyes to what, they might be doing that's kind of restrictive and a little bit like not really seeing the bigger picture of like certain issues and things like that and it allows them to connect with their children that are teenagers and that are younger and I think it's good that you guys are coming out and bringing this like initiative to life. Yep, that's the plan. Yeah, and I think very specifically in the times that I've uh, like when I go to the theatre when I watch movies there is always this genre of teenager that you can tell is written by a 30 year old man Mm. and it's you can tell so immediately and you're just like no one says this who is speaking like this I've never met this person in my life and it's really nice because looking at the monologue collective I can look at each monologue and say I've met this person Mm, definitely and there's so many, like, there's so many even TV shows or anything, like, even from back in the day that are written by older men that, and it's different. Like, when it's a female and she's older and she's writing for teenagers, I feel like maybe there's, like, less less of an issue because I feel like a, a female has more of a, um, 
better lens to write for teenagers, especially for female teenagers. It's because men sexualize. Like, honestly, it's because men sexualize and it feels like no matter even if they're not trying to inherently, it feels like their representation, especially of, like, teenage girls, is from this idea of, oh, what would it have been like to be one? And, like, that's just creepy. And then everyone just feels like that the entire time. And you're like, yeah, it just feels like this older man, like, wanted to know what was going on in her head when he was if you go back and watch like teen shows in like the early like or late 90s to early 2000s there's major problems in some of them like because it's just super some creators were just super creepy and super like wanting to just put their sexual fantasies in like in a tv show and it's actually really sad. It's definitely sad. But like so many, there's so many rewatch podcasts and stuff now where they're actually all bringing that to light and realizing that the show that they were in at the time, maybe they didn't realize when they were acting, when they were performing and doing the scenes, but now they're rewatching it and they're like, like, nah, <laughs> not <laughs> it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, definitely. I think. It's and also it's like a totally like a male voyeur thing as well to be like I wonder what it's like to be a fifteen year old girl. Yeah, and it's really weird and uncomfortable and strange and like even retrospectively looking back at a TV show like iCarly, which I feel <laughs> so many of us watched, classic. Yeah. And yeah, you watch it again. Faded it. Yes. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, you this had like a foot kink, and then all of the gags are about fate. Like, <laughs> yes. And it's like, this is actually fucked up. Yeah. I who This is not authentic in any way. And for, for me, also retrospectively looking back at that, because I definitely watched iCarly as a kid, mm. I, you internalise all of those ideas of what being a young woman is meant to be. And when you actually reach the age of the characters you watch, you'll suddenly feel these expectations to live like that. But you can't live like that because it's not real. And so yeah. very specifically, my monologue came from this place of, like, this is the reality. This yeah. is about getting rid of all of those lies about the teenage dream and this is what it actually means. Yeah, exactly. So where do you where do you hope to the monologue collective is in about, like, you know, two, three years from now? Like, what do you want to... What do you want to do with that? How do you want to, like, expand it? Have you thought about that yet? Or are you kind of just going with the flow and seeing how things progress with it? Yeah, it's been really lovely um, how how much the arts community, some people in the arts community have um, reached out and helped within this. Mm. Um, so we're looking at doing a tour um, 2023 into 2024 of the works with a few actors around around New South Wales, so going to regional regional cities and that sort of thing. And we just found out yesterday that um, PlayLab and Brisbane have agreed to publish the Monologue Collective hard copy. So oh it'll be available for kids, it'll be in libraries, that sort of stuff. So I think it'll just be a really pivotal resource and also just a really pivotal um, experience and career moment for all of these playwrights to be published that young. It's just an incredible, incredible thing that we can do um and i like there's there could be many plans of doing this for years to come and that sort of thing but i think that will be something if a company comes to me and that can happen or there's a young producer who can get that to happen it'll be a thing that happens 
to some extent annually, but I'm just uh, what I'm really focused on is making sure that the riders that are involved now get what they need. Um, because the entire point of this program was that these riders would have this. And I think that's at the heart of even the way that um, our director, Nizreen's directing, at the heart of it is the riding, is the work and getting their voices heard. So yeah. I'm really focused on them and trying to make this everything that it could be for them. So, yeah. A hundred percent. And let's give me an update on dead skin before we end this. I need, I yes, need please. on dead skin. Like how did, how did everything go at the Hollywood fringe? Like yeah, I want to know, cause I don't think, I, I mean, we, you know, the last time you came on, we spoke about dead skin. So I feel like whoever's listening wants a little bit of an update, you know, give us an update. Love. Yeah, it was really, really well. We had a few few sold out shows in LA while we were there and it went um, really well and we won a few awards. That was always lovely. Um, we're looking at going back soon, hopefully mm. to do it again in New York. So we're going to see how that happens. And I'm, I'm typing away and I've written the first draft of the feature film version of it. So big, big, big things. Great, great, great things, um, which will be good mm. when all of that comes to fruition and whenever that is. But, yeah, it was just an incredible experience, I think, to live over in LA for three months. It sort of changed me and changed my perspective and I just met some weird, weird humans. (laughs) Definitely. There's some weirdos over there. I love that. But weirdos, like, in a good way, you know, and then, I mean, there are the 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 odd weirdos that are actually just maybe don't hang out with them but they yeah it's it's a crazy place but it inspires you so much you know like and it key and there's everybody in that in that place is doing something that's very similar to you very like-minded and you can meet you can meet five people in the room and most of all of them are doing the same thing that you're doing you know and in the industry and I think that's why I think that's why we gravitate towards it that much. Yeah, agreed. And with um, Dead Skin, did you have, like, did you see that the Americans that were watching the film could, like, really, the play could really relate to it? And was it, or did you have some people kind of, like, not sure? No, it was very universal. They got all the references and things, but I think it's just odd because... Americans are America centric. So they really, they don't know, like, uh, this, these are huge generalizations and I'll probably get in trouble from someone. But in my experience, most Americans don't know where Australia is geographically. Mm-hmm. So that's to ask me whether we go by boat to China as like a mode of transport by not just one person, multiple people. That's um, interesting. They'll be asked, um, Oh, no, to be told that, oh, I lived in Australia. Yeah, Auckland was amazing. And I'm like, that's in New Zealand. So, yes, that's a very common adults. Um, So, because of that, they are very American focused, um, which means that they're obsessed with Australians because they don't know anything about them. So, I don't think we have to feed them. Yeah, it wouldn't have mattered what I had said on that stage. I think they were just obsessed with Australians having a point of view and saying things on a stage. It just it just popped off. A hundred percent, which is also like 
it's so crazy because even when I was living there, I was getting some weird questions. But there's a common like misconception. They think that New Zealand is a part of us and that we're a part of New Zealand, whatever. Like we're literally the same country. Yeah. Um, and oh yeah, I've had so many people being like, "Do you guys get the same music as us?" Like I'm like, "Yeah, like we're, yeah. we're on the same <laughs> planet as you. <laughs> definitely, yeah. like we definitely do get the same music." Um, but yeah, that's why I wanted to know because I know that it's such a thing. Like they don't know much about Australia and about even the teenage culture and things like that because all we see is American culture, teenage culture, you know. So it's it would just it's not. Australia is nowhere really when it comes to like that kind of stuff as much as America is in the content because not many people are buying our content to show in their countries. Absolutely. So yeah, that that makes total sense. But I'm so glad that like it's doing well and this feature film. I just want to know everything. So we'll just have you on like every like (laughs) you know six months update on dead skin. Give us dead skin again. But no. Oh, I love this. What you're doing with the Monologue Collective is amazing and you've got to bring it to Melbourne. Bring the performances to Melbourne, girl. Got it, we've got it, we've got it. But for details, Monologue Collective, King's Cross Theatre, next week, October 18th to 21st, and we're doing a show at Shopfront Theatre also in Sydney in December. So follow us. And you get Q&As with every show. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll be there. <laughs> yes. We need to do like meet and greets and do autographs. You will. Right, yeah. Good. good. I'll have a selfie. Yeah. Say, say if, if you come up to us and say, I found you from the podcast, you free selfie. Yeah. I won't even charge. Exactly. Free selfie and then like tag the podcast to give us all yeah. <laughs> some PR, good PR. Um, but no thank you guys for coming on and i wish you all the best of luck with the initiative and with dead skin lanika you deserve everything because you are so smart and just given so many opportunities to so many people so it's amazing all good to share it around have a good time yeah exactly (laughs) share the love share the contents no worries thank you for coming on honored and to be here thank you for listening to this podcast you can find us on whatever podcast platform you use and whilst you're there please leave us a comment review and subscribe to us on apple podcasts thank you